much love. Episode 106, A Schwing and Amish. The Amish Nurse's Suitor by Carrie Light and Outside Woman by Stacy Deanne. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to start reading. Like, it literally doesn't even matter the context. It's just the annoying part. Okay. So this is about Arden. When he came out of the barn, he was further surprised to see Rachel crossing the lawn carrying two cups of coffee. Tinted red by the morning sun, her hair was an eye-catching contrast with her creamy complexion. For an Englisher, she didn't seem to wear much makeup. Not that she needs any, but I wonder if she's going without it so she'll fit in with the Amish women of Serenity Ridge. Arden quickly dismissed the curious thought. Guder Mary! Guder Mary! It wasn't until Rachel replied in kind that Arden realized he'd greeted her in Deitch. She didn't seem to bat an eye, but he wondered if he ought to address her in English instead. But again, they spell English E-N-G-L-I-S-C-H. And at least at least she had, like, the wherewithal to make put italics every time they slip into another language. But okay. She extended a mug to him. He'd already had coffee before leaving his house, but he'd never refuse another cup. He accepted it and held the workshop door open for her. Ivan must have told you we usually work from 7 or 8 o'clock until noon on Saturday, but I didn't think you'd be up and at him at this hour. Rachel's response was peppered with even more Deitch words. I get up earlier than this to commute to work. Besides, I couldn't wait to have fresh oyer for breakfast. They were appendlich. So were the cooch and soup your schwester made. My schwester? <laughs> Ivan wondered how Rachel knew it was his sister who'd left the goodies in her kitchen. Ja, that's how she identified herself in her note. Grace Esh. Is she your schwester? Isn't she? <laughs> <laughs> and on and on and on <laughs> like and so I just had to assume like yeah Guder Myri is like good morning I don't even know like it's like Guder G-U-D-E-R and then M-A-R-I-Y-E like I'm assuming that means good morning but who fucking knows <laughs> and then it just I was like oh, okay it's one thing to then it's just like a whole sentence of like appendlich Kuch, oyer, sup, what the fuck is this? Okay, so I just wanted to give you that as an example of how annoying this goddamn book was. I'm like, and then you still didn't even fuck? Like, goddamn. Okay. Like, you know what I mean? Like, make it painful, but give me some hot sex? No, you give me nothing, Carrie. Okay. Um, Renee, there's no real way for me to preempt the scene. I just have to read it to you. So, at this point, okay. there's tension, and there's conflict because Rachel thinks that Arden is being rude to her and Arden thinks that she's snobby and he thinks that he's overheard or call him dumb and she's like all of a sudden he's cold and mean to me and no one makes me feel welcome and this sucks and I why am I even bothering to be a good person <clears throat> so he's out in the workshop doing his thing Rachel's and it's on the same land as her and she's in the house she's staying with her brother helping him recover from his pneumonia so she's in the house <sighs> Okay. Um, but from his vantage point, he could see the backyard too, and he noticed Rachel was taking in the laundry, an indication her hosting duties had ended. The clothesline was a bit too high. She had to stand on tiptoes to grasp it and then tug it down while she unclipped the pins. As Arden quickened his pace so he could give her a hand, he spied something looming near the back perimeter of the property. At first he thought it was a shadow or the desk was playing tricks on his eyes. But then the creature slogged several steps in Rachel's direction, 
the moose. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh my god. Oh. Arden's heart battered his ribs. Although the animal's eyesight likely wasn't good enough for it to see Rachel behind the linens, its hearing and sense of smell were excellent, and it seemed to be to home in on her. By contrast, Rachel was completely oblivious to the danger lurking on the other side of the sheet hanging in front of her. Aware, aware a loud noise could frighten the moose, Arden crept closer and said, Rachel, absats! Fuck that means. Just loud enough for her to hear. She swiveled her head sideways to look at him, an annoyed expression on her face as she continued unpinning, unpinning the sheet. Do not move, he commanded gruffly, terrified she'd flounce off rather than speak to him. There's a moose coming toward you. <laughs> his, his tone must have convinced her he was gravely serious because Rachel froze with her arms stretched above her head, her spine straight. She locked her gaze on him, and her face went whiter than the sheet she'd been unfastening. Arden, please help me, she whimpered. Then, please help me, Lord. Please, got, which I'm assuming is their god, G-O-T-T. Please, got, make it go away. Arden tried to reassure her from where he'd sought protection beside a maple tree some ten yards away. The tree wasn't especially wide, but he knew it was vital to keep something sturdy in between him and the moose at all times. It stopped walking, but it's looking your way. You must do exactly what I tell you to do. If I say run, you need to sprint over here to me, behind this tree, as fast as you can. Now? Nay! Arden exclaimed, and the moose and the moose lowered its head and flattened its ears, both signs of aggression. Don't run unless I tell you to. Please, Arden, please, she pleaded, as he as if he held any authority over the large bull. It's getting closer. I can hear it making a clicking sound. Rachel, I, I guess moose, moose click. click. I couldn't fucking tell you. Rachel, listen to me. I want you to back away very, very slowly. She immediately let go of the clothesline and sheet and inched away as the moose flattened its ears. Not a good sign. Arden's back and leg muscles were so tense they burned. Little by little, Rachel was putting distance between herself and the moose, but she was still out in the open. She couldn't outrun the animal if it charged. She'd never make it around the tree or even, sorry, she'd never make it around the house or even to the tree. Arden considered his options. If he waved and yelled, there was a chance the moose might scream or might scram, but it seemed more likely he'd incite the beast to charge. So he did the only thing he could count on to be effective. Please, Gott, get that animal out of here, he prayed. <laughs> oh, okay Arden what are you looking over there for Grace questioned loudly as she came traipsing around the house toward the backyard shh Arden gestured for Grace to stop just as the dangling sheet billowed in the breeze at that the moose thundered forward run Arden shouted but instead Rachel <laughs> collapsed right where she stood oh, Arden she's, she's Arden started to race toward her when he noticed the moose had come to an abrupt standstill a few yards in front of the clothesline, so he halted too. The bull's first charge was a bluff. Would it leave, or would it charge a second time for real? Don't move, he growled at Grace, who'd also stopped dead in her tracks. He waited as the moose stared at the sheet. Was that what it was after all along? One, maybe two agonizing minutes passed before the animal slowly raised its head again, and galumphed from the yard. Grace and Arden both sprinted towards Rachel. He reached her first, and she was already rousing, or trying to. 
He rolled her from her side onto her back and directed Grace to elevate Rachel's feet 12 inches above her heart. Then he bent to put his ear by her mouth so he could hear her raspy voice. Did the moose knock me down? Nay, he didn't have to. (laughs) You fell down on your own. Where did everyone go? Ivan asked, stumbling toward them in the twilight. Wait right there, Grace ordered. We don't need a second blank passing out tonight. She gently set Rachel's feet down and ran to Ivan's side, saying, I'll take him inside. When Rachel lifted her head and propped herself up on her elbows, Arden warned, You shouldn't get up too quickly. You might get dizzy. Who's the nurse here? You or me? She asked, sitting all the way up. (laughs) I might not be as smart. So S-C-H-M-A-E-R-T. I may not be as smart as you are, but I'm definitely stronger, Arden replied. He slid an arm beneath her knees and wrapped his other one around her torso. In one swift motion, he stood upright and pulled her closer to his trembling heart. There's a fucking moose attack, Renee. (laughs) Like, I'm from Northern Ontario. I don't fuck with moose, but I was like, really? Now, I'm going to end by telling you the you thought that was just like a fucking mile a minute of laughs? Well, look at the note from the author. Last page. Dear reader. Oh my god, I can't. Dear reader, during the many years I lived or vacationed in Maine, I never saw a moose in the wild. Frankly, after all I've heard and read about them, I'm not sure I'd want to see one except from the safety of my home or from my car as I drive in the opposite direction. Which isn't to suggest most moose are aggressive towards humans, because usually they're not, although they can be unpredictable, and at 35 miles per hour, they'd definitely be able to outrun me. However, since the moose is Maine's state animal, I'd be remiss if I didn't allow one to wander through the pages of my Serenity Ridges series. That's one of the wonderful things about writing and reading fiction. It allows us to encounter people, places, and things we might not otherwise meet. As to whether this is the last time Serenity Ridge's heroes and heroines cross paths with this great animal, I hope you'll read the next two books to find out. <laughs> Imagine you read just to see if there's a moose, and you're like, <laughs> and then yeah. she signs, she signs it, blessings, Carrie Light. Yeah, at no point did I want to read the sequels to this, but now I'm like, is there a moose? <laughs> Would fucking spend six dollars to find out. Boom, <laughs> and that was <laughs> the moose attack at the heart. Of the Amish nooses suitor. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, yeah. What you got for me? What you got? Um, one thing I forgot to mention, which I think is extremely important, um, is that my Amish family is in Nebraska, in a place called Mifflin County. That's right. The same area as Dunder Mifflin Paper Company. <laughs> so this takes place in the office universe so not far from here i bet you is like the shroot beet farm and i'm here for it (laughs) also is her rich ceo husband michael scott (laughs) i don't know i i I don't remember what city she's from i think she's from new york oh it's like they're always from new york right they're always from new york or la all right okay okay so i'm gonna read two scenes too because it's like i just can't like i just can't okay um this one's just so fucking stupid okay so this is this is this scene demonstrates the tension between thea and jacob okay Okay. here we go uh her world might not be great all the time there were challenges and obstacles but it kept her interested it kept her wanting more 
just like Jacob did. See? Jacob checked her finger again. It's already stopped bleeding, he smiled. I guess it's silly to be afraid of a cut, but I have a reason, she looked at her finger. I was stabbed once. You were stabbed? Hannah squealed. Yes, her finger throbbed. A guy tried to rob me about two years ago. He tried to take my purse and he... he stabbed me. Jesus. Jacob sat back on his knees. Where did he stab you? Leah reached back with her right hand. Back here. I'm lucky it wasn't deep. I don't get some people, Jacob wrapped her finger. The cut looks okay. You can clean it and add the ointment when you get back to the house. Back to the house? This is her her, her thinking. She's not like saying this. Back to the house? I don't want it. I don't want to think about going back to the house yet. I want to be with you. I don't know why, but I like the mystique of you. The mystery. Besides, you're the only thing keeping my mind off of not having TV, electricity, or central air. We gotta go, Thea, Hannah peeked out of Jacob's front door, before someone sees us. Jacob patted Thea's hand. You all right? Here we go. Can you wash my finger for me? He raised an eyebrow. <laughs> so stupid. You want, me, you want me to wash your finger for you? Yes. Thea, <laughs> Hannah stood by the chair. We gotta go now. Do you realize how serious it is if someone finds us here? She's a grown woman, Jacob stood. She's not one of us, so she can do what she wants. One of us, Hannah chuckled. That's rich coming from you. Have you ever been one of us? He glared at her. He's right. Thea squeezed her sore finger. I appreciate everything your family has done for me, Hannah, but I make my own decisions. Hannah pointed to Jacob, but I've been respectful to you all, haven't I? Thea asked. I've acted like you've asked. I've done chores. She pulled at her calf-length dress. I'm even dressed like a pilgrim for you. Jacob covered his grin, but I still make my own decisions. Thea flicked a loose crinkle out of her face. I want Jacob to wash my finger. <laughs> Fine. Hannah let go of Thea's chair. Just be careful because my father would not be happy if he knew you were over here. And she left. <sighs> wash my finger, Renee. <laughs> it was already bandaged. It was already bandaged. I don't think he actually washes her finger. Like it's it's stupid. Okay, so that that's that's the scene that really really spells out the tension that they have for each other. Um, like, and if you didn't get the shivers just listening to that, I don't know what would. Snail trail. Mm, mm, okay, so this is the scene where Jacob has come into her room um, in the middle of the night after they haven't talked for one whole week, and. Um, <clears throat> he's demanding some answers. He's like, why are you wanting me? And she's like, I can't leave. So here we hear the story about her boyfriend. Um, and Jacob's trying to reassure her that um, he's got her back. Okay. But you knew he was embezzling money. So they'd see it was self-defense. He was a rich white CEO and I was his broke black lover, Jacob. He had everything and I have shit. He brought, he bought almost everything I owned. People already dubbed me as a greedy gold digger. The jury would convict me the minute I came in the courtroom. No one would be on my side. True though. True. Okay. Oh, She's right. True. Absolutely. I'm like, uh, Thea's dropping truth bombs right now. Yes. <clears throat> I'm on your side. Jacob kissed her and laid her down. You hear me? He climbed on top of her. It's over now. The nightmare is over and you don't have to be afraid anymore. It's not over until I face it. She sucked in tears. I can't run forever. Shh. He, <laughs> he pressed his lips against hers. Let's run away together and forget we knew either of our worlds. I promise no one will ever find us. 
He slid her gown up and settled himself between her thighs. We can disappear like we never existed. Would you like that? He kissed her. Hmm? She melted from his touch the same as before. Jacob, I'll protect you. He slipped her panties down. I promise. We couldn't run forever. We couldn't. We can do anything if fate wants us to. <laughs> okay. He unbuckled his belt and undid his pants. You're not alone anymore. He slid inside of her. Ah, she gripped his soldiers. Trust in that. End of chapter. <laughs> Just like drills deep and he's like, trust me. Yeah, it literally ends with his dick inside her. She's like, oh my God. He's like, trust in that. Like mic drop, but it's his <laughs> dick in her pussy. Episode 107, Shapeshifters. Thanks for last night by Eve Langlais. Kate Baxter and Millie Titan, and In a Badger Way by Shelley Lawrenston. So this is the part where we usually read our reenactments. We read a portion yeah. of our books, and I really went back and forth, listeners. I'll tell you on what to read. Um, and Renee said I absolutely need to read this particular sex scene. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm going to. It's very explicit. So are you ready? Are you ready? Because uh, this is a... I'm already. So I'm going to jump right in halfway through the sex scene. They've already been fucking at this point. But you'll see. You'll see why. Whoo. Okay. <laughs> oh, do I really want to start there? Yeah, fuck it. Let's just start there. Okay. Uh, oh god, okay. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Okay, so he's like going down on her. It's like a whole thing. Um, He slid his hand... <clears throat> okay. He slid his hand under her to hold her upper body tightly to his. Then he pulled back and pressed forward. He drove deep into her, grunting as the wet suctioned from her sheath. Fuck, you're so wet, so slick, and hot. (laughs) Don't you want to fuck that bear? Okay, she pushed her ass up. He plunged deeper, giving her more of what he knew she wanted. Going deeper, harder, longer, faster. He increased his speed and held onto her, their bodies slipping due to the perspiration coating their skin. The heat in her channel increased to a fiery inferno. He thrust faster and faster, harder and rougher, every slap of skin making her moan and pulling a loud grunt from him. He couldn't stop. He needed to brand her, to own her. She was his and no one else's. He moved one hand down to her hip, holding her and allowing the bear to come through. His no! hand <laughs> His hand changed, fingers shifting into claws, digging deep into her flesh deep enough to create puncture wounds that would forever mark her as his. She tensed. Her pussy squeezed harder at his dick. She was close. Come, come, baby girl. He licked her shoulder and pressed hot kisses on the back of her neck. Come on my dick. Soak it with your cream so I can fill you with my cum. (laughs) She gasped choked out a scream and her body softened at the same time her pussy gripped tightly at his cock. The feel of her channel sucking hard at his length pushed him over the edge. He growled, 
bit down at the back of her shoulder and drove deep, taking everything she gave. His cock pulsed and filled her heat with his cum. Electrical currents shot down his back with every spurt of semen spilling from his dick into her. He never wanted to move. This is where they were both belonging. Him inside her, making her his. Her taking everything he gave her, loving every bit. She, he switched them so she lay draped over him after a moment. The scent of his seed inside her made the bear finally quiet down. She was his. There's nothing and no one would change that. You're mine. And there's the scene. That is the scene. That is the scene. That is the scene. No. No. That was the most revolting sex scene I've ever heard. And I read about two dudes sucking each other off in a piss-covered alley. (laughs) But did you ever get fucked from behind by a bear, Renee? Because if not, you have not lived. And that was uh, a novella from the Thanks for Last Night collection. (laughs) Now... Now that you've, now that I've sullied all of our imaginations, please, what are you going to read for us, Renee? (laughs) Um, you know, I can't read the sex scene because it's too hot for radio. I'm just going to say that right now. (laughs) Um, what I am going to read instead is just kind of like all the animal people at the end of the, um... At the end of the like lab collapse at the end of the book. And then Stevie comes out in her in her full true form. And she's this giant badger tiger. And people are like, what the fuck? Um, but it it's just like this really like family matters ending. So I just wanted to read that for you. Okay. <clears throat> okay. It was the silence. Such intense silence. Stevie looked away from her sisters and saw that the other agents who'd come here today to rescue her and the others were gawking at her. Some with wide eyes, other with unleashed fangs and claws. They were disgusted, appalled, and absolutely terrified. Stevie lowered her head, began to back away, but her sisters had moved in front of her, Charlie's forefingers tightening on the triggers of her guns. Max stood next to her, her blood-covered hands working the handles of her knives because Stevie knew they were sticky, and Max hated a sticky grip when she was in a fight. Stevie didn't want this, though. She didn't want her sisters destroying those who'd risked everything protecting all of them because they were a little bit overwhelmed by her. She'd shift. That would help. She'd shift to human and everyone would calm down. Is there a problem? Blaine Thorpe asked, walking through the group of agents with Gwen by her side. There wolves. I'm not sure why you're looking at my friend that way, but I have to say I don't appreciate it. You're okay with this? A jaguar asked, arms folded over his chest. I mean, look at her. Look at her. I do look at her. And you know what I see? The woman who saved our lives, Gwen asked. Please say the woman who saved our lives. Of course, that's what I see, but I also see the mighty tiger badger, ruler of all badges. Oh, God. Gwen glanced up at Stevie. I'm so sorry. What happened, Charlie asked. Look, Blaine, the jaguar said. I get that you feel beholden to this woman. Tiger badger, Blaine corrected. But I think we can all agree, he looked around at the other agents, that whatever she is, she's just, she's just, she's just what, Blaine demanded. My husband would really like to know. Oh, her husband is a saber-toothed tiger wolf cross. 
Oh, I mean that. I mean um, that, that. That goes without yes. saying. But thank you for clarifying. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um. The cat glanced over his shoulder where Bo Novikov was standing behind him, back in his shifted form, while the other agents had silently moved out of the way of the one-ton animal. When she'd first seen him, Stevie had been fascinated by the two big fangs that hung down far past his massive jaw. Like a saber-toothed cat. Yeah, that's exactly what he reminded her of. A saber-toothed cat of yore. Well, Blaine pushed, Bo's waiting. The cat shook his head while trying to inch around Bo, especially when he started huffing. You know what? The jaguar cleared his throat. I think we are all, he began to walk backwards, away from Bo. Wonderful and interesting in our own ways, and it doesn't matter if you're normal, like me, or have freakishly sized tusks. Those are fangs, Blaine snapped. Or are disturbingly large and yet weirdly house cat-like. None of that matters because we're all one important thing. We're human. Stevie glanced at her sisters and all three of them rolled their eyes in disgust. You? Me? He looked over at Stevie. It? Hey, Charlie snapped. We're all human, and isn't that what we need to remember when we talk about... Oh my god, would you stop doing that? The group of trained agents faced the sound that had been getting louder and louder as the giant panda in human form walked closer, munching on a bamboo stalk. What? Shen, Shen asked, calmly gazing back at the others. I was hungry. Do you have to make so much noise? The cat demanded. In response, Shen bit down on the stalk, and the crunch echoed out in the fresh morning air. The bears began heading back to the SUVs first. I can't with that goddamn noise, one of them complained. I just can't. <laughs> Don't you want some? Shen called after them. I have more in the car. They're directly from China, he finished in a sing-song voice. Uh, when no one responded, everyone simply packed up to go. Shen went back to eating, but he grinned at Stevie around his bamboo, winking at her. Stevie finally shifted back to human while Charlie held out shorts and a t-shirt for her, but before she put them on, she saw Shen coming toward her. She ran to him, jumped into his arms. Holding her, he asked, Are you okay? My DNA eats DNA for lunch, so I'm great emotionally and genetically. I don't know what any of that means, he admitted. I know, but trust me, it's astounding. He presses forward, uh, his forehead against her. I'm just glad you're okay. Me too. They stayed like that for several wonderful minutes, just holding each other, eyes closed, Shen's hands around her bare ass, her arms around his massive shoulders. She never felt safer, not simply physically safe, but fully understanding that she could always be with this man without doubt or fear. Are you two gonna do it? Max asked, standing right by them and being typically annoying. Go away, Stevie snarled at her sister, refu refusing to move from her lovely position in Shen's arms. Thankfully, Max did as Stevie had asked, but sadly it seemed no one wanted to leave her alone with Shen. Um, yeah. Then it's just like the scientist is like, tell me what you saw. And then Max is like, get away from me or I'm going to put blood on you. And he's like, oh, goodbye. And that's, um... That was my favorite scene. No, it wasn't my favorite definitely the um the karaoke scene but i wasn't gonna try and sing like Jimi hendrix and pat benatar to make my point about that chapter so episode 108 thrillers target on her back by julie miller and the red hourglass by scarlet risque here we go <laughs> you pour me a cup of that coffee you stay aware of your surroundings and know that I'll be close by. Her lips softened with the hint of a smile before she pulled away to retrieve a mug from the cabinet. 
I made myself a cup of tea, but I brewed coffee for Officer Cutler while she was here. I didn't know what you like to drink, besides beer. I don't have any of that. Sorry. He plucked a baby carrot from the plate she'd put in front of him and popped it into his mouth. Technically, I'm on the clock, so I wouldn't have a brewski anyway. Do you want me to make you a sandwich? Black coffee will be just fine. After setting a mug of the steaming brew in front of him, she set her tea in the microwave to warm it up before coming over to stand on the opposite side of the peninsula. Sorry you got stuck with me. Again, you're a good sport to put up with my eccentricities. He took a bite of one of the cookies, then paused. I didn't know how to do like a nerdy, awkward, nervous person, so that's what you get. Um, he took a bite of one of the cookies, then paused a moment to savor the molasses, sugar, and cinnamon before he polished it off and reached for another. Good sport, nothing. These are damn good. Her eyes widened at his uh, enthusiasm. Sorry, I shouldn't have put it bet. I should have put it th that a better way. My mama, rest her soul, wasn't around long enough to teach me not to be a potty mouth. You made these? She hid a blush that warmed her creamy skin behind her mug and a long drink. Mom was the knitter. I like to bake when I get stressed. This woman could bake on top of being Einstein level smart and all sorts of distracting. He'd never expected that heaven would wear horn rimmed glasses, make him apologize for cursing and bake like his grandmother. Kerr was right. He'd already lost a piece of his heart. I've never regretted, I've never regretted spending time with you, G. The blush intensified before she turned away to clean the kitchen. Mixing bowls in the dishwasher, wiping down countertops, moving the plastic container stacked with cookies over to the peninsula where he sat. Does that mean you're staying? At least till I finish my coffee. Since searching for Gigi to find out... Sorry, since reaching for Gigi to find out if her lips were as kissable as he remembered would be a monumental mistake in terms of professional ethics, he reached for the coffee container instead. And a couple more of these, or until you're ready to go to bed. The beaters she was rinsing clattered into the sink. Bed? <laughs> to sleep, G. That breathless gasp of anticipation stirred a response behind the zipper of his jeans. She'd made that same husky sound when he'd said something about heating up the bench on campus earlier that night. If he had a better read on women, he might think she was interested in him for more than protection or friendship. But he was probably just shocking her with the double entendre she read into his words. You'll sleep inside, he reminded her, and I'll be out in my truck. Of course, we could both use some rest before going into the lab. Her movements seemed jerky now, more hurried as she finished putting the kitchen to rights. I'll be I'll be done in a few minutes, then you can leave. I, I didn't mean. Great, now he'd hurt her feelings. I'll stay as long as you want me to. No. She waved aside his apology before looking at him. You have a job to do. You don't need to babysit me. The house is secure now, so I'll be fine. Brains and brawn, re remember? You have bad guys to catch. I have numbers to decode. Gee. He stood and circled around the peninsula. Maybe we should talk about what's happening here. What's happening? She stuffed the beaters into the dishwasher and closed the door. Nothing's happening. How much experience do you have with men? She groaned and walked away before he could reach her. I think you might have a little crush on me and it's making you nervous. <laughs> I haven't had a crush on anyone since I was 14 and graduating high school. I'm a grown woman now. I know it. He caught her hand and pulled her around to face him, hoping he could break this panicked embarrassment that made her flee from him. Believe me, Miss Legs. I know. 
At least she was listening to him now. Her gaze dated, darted across his face, trying to read his expression. He rubbed the pad of his thumb across the back of her knuckles, telling her in every way he could that she could relax around him. Her sensitivity or self-consciousness or whatever that outburst had been seemed so to calm with every stroke of his hands. Maybe I've got a little crush on you too. I think we've got a sort of sexy professor, naughty student thing going on between us. Her, na her eyes narrowed with a quizzical frown. That's a thing? Yeah. He moved half a step closer. I'd say it's definitely a thing. Her fingers trembled beneath his. Like Ian and his students? No. Nothing like a reminder of the sexual harassment accusations against her late boss to throw cold water on whatever was happening here. Thank you, Pepper. Thank you. <laughs> Pepper's like, did she just bring up sexual harassment in the middle of a sexy scene? She sure did. Um, Hud stiffened and pulled away, but her fingers turned to clench tightly around his. Because you're a grown-up too, and I don't have any power over you. Oh, she had some power over him, all right. Scene! Oh I just God. witnessed my boss getting murdered and you show up to my house and you hit on me. And I'm so clueless. I make a sexual harassment reference, not because I feel threatened, but because I did not know that there was such a thing as a student professor kink. What the fuck? A cab. A cab. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Tell me wow. your twist. Tell me your twist. Okay. I'm going to read this twist. Um, And just like, if you guys need to like rewind the episode to catch the details and just like listen one more time to, to understand this twist, like, please do so. Okay. <laughs> so this is the scene where, um, this is the scene where um, the sisters have tried to attack the owner, but they're outnumbered. And so they're just like putting down their arms. Okay. Um, there's no accents in this book, so I'm just going to do me. Disappointing. Okay. <laughs> so I'll do my best. Sisters, put your weapons down, Venus ordered. Kelvin <clears throat> and a few of his team collected everything and herded my sisters into a group in the middle of the lobby. At ease, boys, Conan ordered his men. I'll take it from here, Johnson Wilmer stepped out from behind the security team. He walked toward me with his arms outstretched and cupped my face in his hands. Something about his, his touch felt familiar. I was overwhelmed with confusion. My darling girl, I knew you were a born leader the moment I met you. How do you wish to handle this? Let my sisters go. Very well, said Johnson. Uh, do you have anything to say to them before they're escorted out of the building? Venus, tell your mother that I've spared your lives, and my debt to her is repaid. I will, Janet, said Venus. I'm sorry it ended this way, but I have a feeling we'll meet again. You shouldn't have betrayed us. Kelvin, get these ladies out of here, said Johnson. He's an old man, that's why I'm doing that voice. <laughs> <laughs> the Zong Yuan executives filed out of the boardroom. They were frowning and speaking in Mandarin. They definitely sounded angry. I guess that the merger didn't go through. At least the White Queen will be happy about that. Conan, please see our guests out. Everyone else, clear the floor, said Johnson. Scarlet, I have to introduce you to someone. Mrs. Wilmar walked out of the boardroom as the elevators closed. 
We've met, I said. Hello, Mrs. Wilmar. How's your breathing? Mary! She ran toward me and threw her arms around me. Her melodic voice saying my name pulled old, familiar memories from the recesses of my mind. Is this really my mother? I was filled with a mixture of love and hate. I didn't know how to respond, and I froze. My sweet, sweet Mary, said Mrs. Wilmar. I'm fine. I'm absolutely fine now. My darling daughter, I'd given up all hope of ever seeing you again. Really? I stepped back from her. You knew where I was. I was right where you left me with that horrible monster. Why didn't you take me with you or come back for me? Tears began flowing from my eyes, burning my cheeks. Oh, my sweetheart, Mrs. Wilmar began to cry. I should have taken you with me when I left. I'm so, so sorry. I wanted to, but I didn't have enough money to support us. I was terrified I wouldn't be able to provide for you and that you'd be taken from me and put into an orphanage. I'd learned of your father's divorce and I came here to find him, but I was afraid to tell him that I had you in secret. I got very sick after we reconciled and I've been in and out of hospitals ever since. When I finally went back to the farm, it was abandoned and you were gone. That's when I told Johnson the truth. We've been looking for you ever since, but you disappeared into thin air. I ran away because no one was there to protect me, I started to sob. You left me with that disgusting drunk to live a life of drudgery and pain. I had to cook and clean and take all his abuse. And then I came here to look for you and I would have died on the streets if Mrs. White hadn't taken me in. I hate you. I hate you so much. Hush, hush. We're together now. I've never stopped loving you. Suzanne, her mother's name is Matilda. Suzanne put her arms around me and stroked my hair. I deserve your hatred, my darling daughter. I'm a bad mother, but I'm going to spend the rest of my life making it up to you, protecting you. Can you ever forgive me? The anger in my veins was replaced by a tranquility I hadn't felt in years. <clears throat> I was in my mother's arms again, wrapped in her love. I was returned to that blissful time in childhood when a mother's love is everything. My happy memories came flooding back, and I pictured her perfectly in my mind. Her blonde hair, her hazel eyes, her smile. I saw us holding hands and running through the sunflower fields. Am I dreaming? All right, girls, said Johnson. It's my turn to talk to my daughter. What? What? Let's sit down. What? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I don't, okay. Listen, I, okay. I'm not even done yet. I'm not even done yet. Cause it gets wackier. Okay. Scarlet Walters, my dear, look at you, a secretary by day and an assassin by night, the alpha female, the apex huntress. You are your father's daughter. It's in your genes to be at the top of the heap. How do you know I'm your daughter? I asked. As Matilda, Suzanne, said we've been looking for you for years. When the new health insurance company insisted on DNA testing, it just made sense to find out if anyone matched our DNA. They told us this morning that there was a perfect match, and it's you. Bingo! He leaned forward and took my hand. We could hardly contain our joy. I liked you the minute Conan brought you home, and I couldn't be happier. He picked up my hand and kissed it. I, I don't know what to say, I said. Care I carefully touched his face and peered into his dark eagle eyes. They were like mine, but older. Is he my real father? Is he good or bad? The eagle was the apex predator of the skies. I'd inherited his <laughs> lust for dominance. It all made sense now. I was a reflection of my father. Princess, you don't have to say anything right now, said Johnson. We know this must be overwhelming. But how can you forgive me for working for your enemy? How can you ever forgive us for abandoning you? Mary, we let you down so badly. You had no choice but to go with that wretched woman. 
As it is, I'm thankful to her. She rescued you, protected you, and sent you back to us. Not to mention you saved my life today. If you hadn't contacted Kelvin and Kristoff, Mrs. White's little army would have made it into the boardroom, and I'd be lying on a slab in the morgue right now. I guess you're right. Damn straight I'm right. You're my lost heiress, and you've proven yourself more than worthy. The familiar feelings I got from the Wilmars weren't lies. Their blood runs through my veins. I am the heiress of Wilmar Enterprises. We'll dominate the world together, daughter. So, what? turns out her boyfriend slash boss, his adopted father and mother are her biological parents. And she is the heiress to the Wilmar Enterprises fortune. Wowzers! Episode 109, Ghosts, Supernatural Seductions by Kiki Wellington and A Ghostly Menage by Eve Longley. We're getting a real gift this week from you because you're going to read us a sex scene, aren't you? I am. Yes, gird I your am. fucking loins, listeners. Renee's about to hit you. <clears throat> okay. So this is where Jeannie decides she's got to, like, seduce that man. And by man, I mean ghost man. <laughs> um, here we go. I took a long bubble bath while listening to classical music and sipping a glass of wine. I felt so good, so relaxed, and I couldn't wait for Jesse to see me and know how much I wanted him. I went into his room, still wearing my towel, and set the scene for my seduction. I took an old candelabra that I hadn't used in ages and placed it on his dresser, lighting each candle, as my desire to be with my ghost lover burned hotter and hotter and hotter with the blue and red flickers of the flames. The candles were scented, and soon a sweet aroma filled every inch of the room. Then I retrieved my little radio and bottle of wine from the bathroom to help make the mood complete. I turned on the radio and slipped out of my towel. I stood in front of Jesse's picture, sipping from my wine glass and looking deep into his dark, sexy eyes. I hoped that he could see me, really, really see me. After, we'd, uh, after he'd spoken to me on EVP, I felt like I knew him and he was close, and was close to him in a weird way, and I wanted to be with him again. I laid on the bed, on my back with my head arched slightly so I could continue drinking my wine, careful not to spill it on the fresh new bedding. The windows were already wide open and I closed my eyes to enjoy the icy air that surrounded me, aroused me, as I thought about Jesse taking me right at that moment. Jesse, oh Jesse, I want you too, I said, as I glanced at his photograph. Please touch me again, come be with me again, I want to feel you all over me tonight. I stared into his eyes and opened my legs wide, summoning him like a sexual Ouija board. I put, my <laughs> I put my wine glass on the nightstand and slid my hands between my legs to get myself ready for his touch. I pinched my clit really hard and squirmed with both discomfort and delight. Then I rubbed it repeatedly with my index and middle fingers staring at him, wondering what his naked body would have been like pressed against me. My pussy tingled when the breeze brushed over it. I closed my eyes and thought of Jesse as I plunged my fingers inside of me. It was hot and swollen inside my wet pussy, and my fingers got drenched with my juices of desire. As I fucked myself with my fingers, I rubbed my palm against my clit and began to sway my hips up and down to meet my hand. I kept my eyes closed waiting for him, afraid that maybe Jesse didn't want me anymore. I was beginning to feel the pleasure of my own touch, but a twinge of disappointment that it wasn't him caressing me, fucking me like he did before. 
At that moment, right before I was about to give up on him, I felt my nipples being squeezed. Oh, Jesse, you do want me, I said, enjoying the pleasure of his invisible touch. I continued to push my fingers deeply inside of me as Jesse caressed my tits and moved his way down my stomach. The next thing I knew, I felt my hand being pushed away and I laid it flat on the bed thinking about how I would need to wash the blankets tomorrow after soaking it with my pussy juices. Fuck me, Jesse. Please fuck me again, I pleaded with him. And he obliged. Once again, I felt stiffness plunge inside of me and a jolt went from my crotch to the crown of my head. I imagined what his cock must have looked like. I writhed in pleasure as I felt him pounding my pussy, pulling out and pounding deep inside me over and over again. My hips were meeting each of his thrusts with wild abandon. It was almost like I wasn't actually moving them at all. They were just doing what came naturally. I began to tightly clutch my tits, continuing to enjoy the invisible sensations that felt they were would tear my pussy apart. With every thrust that Jesse made, he entered me more deeply, and I spread my legs wider to make sure that I could take whatever he gave me. I formed a triangle with my legs, imagining that he was on top of me and my feet were resting on his ass as he fucked me harder and harder. The bed began to shake as he pounded inside of me. It almost felt like the bed had become a huge vibrator, beckoning me to come right that instant. I couldn't take it anymore. I felt like I could crawl out of my skin as every part of me exploded in the ecstasy of our lovemaking. The wind whistled and blew more forcefully, extinguishing all of my scented candles one by one. It didn't matter. My eyes rolled to the back of my head, and I felt my pussy spasm with the intensity of my orgasm. Jesse, Jesse, don't stop. I'm coming again. I need to come again, I cried out breathlessly. As I felt the waves of orgasm race through my body a second time, there was a dead calm in the room. The bed stopped shaking, and as I looked toward the window, I noticed the wind had subsided and the curtains were completely still. My heart pounded, and it felt as though a mass had fallen into a heap on top of my body. My chest became wet, and I arched my neck slightly to see what was going on. It looked as though beads of Jesse's sweat were rolling onto me. I felt a warm sensation of breath on my neck as Jesse seemed to inhale and exhale against my dampened skin. I felt comforted again. I felt serene. It was the best sex I've ever had. As I started to drift to sleep, I felt a nuzzle against my neck and then my ear. Then I heard a whisper from a familiar voice. Thank you. <laughs> I smiled, turned on my side, and went to sleep. And that is how Jeannie exercised a ghost with her pussy. Oh! Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you for that inspiring mm-hmm. performance. Um, thank you so much. That was not the hottest sex scene in the book. I just really appreciated that she had the power to exercise a ghost with her pussy. It's something that I aspire to, uh, but have not read, you know, I've not yet reached that level of Nirvana. So Wow. Well, mm-hmm. I, and to be clear, that was one of mm-hmm. several sex scenes in a 30 some odd page book. Yes, it was Julie. Ooh, she's spicy. Mm-hmm. Real spicy. Okay, so what I'm going to read is actually technically a whole chapter, but it's quite short. Um, and to give you the the context, it's Derek, Mark, the two ghosts slash wolves slash men, <laughs> and Jenna are at the house, and Clarissa the witch is coming. <laughs> <laughs> to explain all of it. <laughs> to explain it all, because Clarissa knows what's up. Okay. Chapter 22. The bitch is insane. Incredulous, Derek watched as Clarissa threatened his mate. 
She'd fooled them once and they'd hesitated. It wouldn't happen again. Not now. Clarissa might know about the magic inherent in him and Mark, a magic created by their lichen heritage. However, he doubted he'd know. He doubted he'd know about the other forces he could tap into. The mating bond did more than mark a relationship. It gave him access to extra powers, such as the ability to shield himself and his mate, create a bubble of sorts to protect them from the magic Clarissa thought to use. But he needed to get closer to Jenna for it to work. With a snarl, Derek leapt at the witch, focusing the power coiled within him around Jenna. Mark, in tune as usual to his thoughts, added his own mental weight to the equation, reinforcing the dome of protection. Clarissa dodged his attack but kept her grip on Jenna's hair, his poor mate. While Jenna was unable to cry out, pain and fear showed clearly in her expression. Derek swiped at Clarissa again and forced her to relinquish her grip. Stupid dags, I don't need to be close to her to kill her, Clarissa hissed. She held up a hand and a ball of energy formed in it. Mark and Derek stood before Jenna, focusing all their energy on the invisible wall between them. Clarissa never even suspected, and when she did, it was too late. She chanted the tail end of her spell and flung her hand. The fiery blue ball rocketed at them, probably deadly, but no match for a bonded triad. It hit, it, it hit the shield they'd created and bounced back right into Clarissa. With a stream of ugly screams and curses like the Wicked Witch in The Wizard of Oz, Clarissa melted into nothing. Silence fell as the vapor dissipated, and only the lingering scent of ozone and burnt hair remained. Derek scooped a white-faced Jenna into his arms, and with Mark hot on his heels, trotted up the stairs. To his surprise, especially after all the evening's shocks, Jenna's arms wound around his neck tight, and she buried her face against his chest. I'm sorry I freaked when I saw your wolf, she whispered. <laughs> she was sorry. How about him apologizing for not being there before she got such a fright from Clarissa? How about him and Mark not slapping her in the face with who they were and easing her into it? <laughs> I can't blame you. We could have told you about it in a less shocking way. I, I promise not to get so freaked out next time. Anyone ever tell you that you talk too much? He grinned down <laughs> at her- Oh, I know. He grinned down at her startled face and lay her down on the bed, his hands along with Mark's making quick work of her clothes. Sweetheart, only an idiot wouldn't be scared of a wolf, let alone two. And we shouldn't have sprung it up on you like that. Now if you don't mind, I feel an urgent need to check you for injury and lick every inch of your body. <gasps> Ditto, said Mark, whose wet tongue became an immediate wet sweep of her neck that made her shiver. Derek rolled over and grabbed the bottle of oil he'd stashed on the nightstand earlier. <laughs> Time to show her what having a menage truly is. <laughs> what do you think he's referring to, Renee Cabana Marshall? What, the oil? Yeah, what do you think that's about? Was it ectoplasm? Might, or, might be related to the rosette I mentioned earlier. Oh, oh, well, you don't want to use oil for that. You want to use like a gel. So he's obviously been a ghost way too long. The next page is they have there's DP, Renee. There right. is DP. Naturally. And they make it seem like this is really what like, obviously, this is what a threesome is. This is what a threesome is about. 
Um, and so there is a deep, detailed double penetration scene after that. Now, keep in mind, she almost died. She found out that the ghost that she was fucking is not only a man, but also an animal. So she had to watch a guy turn from a ghost to a human to a werewolf. Then she went and got help. That help ended up trying to kill her. Then they kill the witch. And then five seconds later, they're like, how about a dick in your ass and your pussy at the same time? You down? Cool, cool, cool. Let's go. Uh, I had two questions, but you answered one. So I was like, what kind of DP? Like front and back or back and back or front and front? Like I need to know. Um, But you answered that question. (laughs) My second question is, did they have man penises or dog penises for this? Big honking dude cock. So they are fully okay. there. She's she only fucked them when they were ghosts in a dream. So in the dream, they weren't really ghosts. So I guess in her defense, she doesn't really fuck them as ghosts, but she fucks them in her dream and she fucks them IRL as two human men with big dicks um, who just the woman's never had anything near her ass before. And she does anal Oof. and she does a DP from the jump. Just boom. Here's what I'm going to tell you that's extra spooky about this is that if this woman has never had anal sex and she didn't like douche her butthole before this happened and there's two giant dicks inside of her, the one in her pussy would be pushing all her spooky poo all over the other guy. And like, I realize that they're dogs, but I mean, there's a limit. There's a limit to everyone's love. And I feel like that would be it. Um, yes, agreed, especially because again, she fucks them when they're in human form, but mm-hmm. and like it's so detailed that they talk about how like he's trying to push his dick in her ass, and obviously she's like, ah, because she already has a dick inside her, and so he's like, just push out a little bit to like get it past your sphincter, which again, if you haven't cleaned out your ass, you're pushing, it's just like I can't, I can't. Mm. So it's like on the one hand. This woman clearly knows enough about anal to know, like, the author, I mean. But on the other hand, yeah. I'm like, did she just shit on a dick? I don't know, Renee, but that's you know the what, vibe. Though? You know, sometimes you shit on a dick. And if your partner <laughs> is worth their salt, they just tidy it up and keep on going to pound town. And maybe that's what they did, which which is what, um, you know, a mated, a mated bonded pair would do. And I mean, I do agree with you. And to paraphrase uh, the very brilliant Nikki Glaser, um, you know what? Like, yeah, sometimes if you want to put your dick in someone's ass, like sometimes you're going to get shit on. Like, that's just how it is. So you're right. (laughs) I shouldn't be concerned about it. But I was just more concerned for herself as someone who's never had anything penetrate her ass before. You just go from Mm -hmm. that to DP. Feels like a leap. But you know what? It's fantasy, so let them live. Um, But it was very shocking. Just because I was like, she almost died. And now she's taking dicks in the ass and the pussy at the same time. That's a lot. It's a lot. And you know what? I'm going to lose sleep over this because, like, that's a one-way street to a UTI. And uh, I don't know if a werewolf would know what to do in that situation. Like, what if she's never had one? Like, that's really scary. And I'm really worried for her. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. Mm -hmm. Artwork for the podcast was created by Karen McKnight. Special thanks to Press Start to Join for production assistance. For gaming and tech news, search Press Start to Join. 
or on social media at PS the number two J show. Connect with us online at Ravage Love on Instagram and by email at ravagelove.podcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm.